May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Well, today is Transfiguration Sunday, the day that stands as a transition between two seasons. We've been in the season of Epiphany over the last couple of months, and the season of Epiphany is that time of well, epiphany of revelation of Jesus' glory being revealed in the world. It starts at the Feast of Epiphany with the visit of the Magi, wise astrologers from the East, who have followed the star to find this Christ child, the one born King of the Jews, and they have come bringing gifts fit for a king. And through the season, we read and we hear of Jesus' miracles, of his healings, of his exorcisms, all of his great work and the building up of his reputation and his revelation to the wider world. And today, we have that theme of glory in the Transfiguration, where Jesus goes up on the mountain, and he's joined by Moses and Elijah, two of the biggest figures in Israel's history. Moses, the one who gave the Israelites the law, the one who delivered them out of slavery in Egypt, and Elijah, the one who is a great prophetic restorer of Israel. When the people had gotten into the land that they were promised and things were starting to go off track, when they had kings and queens who were saying, ah, forget about the Lord God who brought us here. There are other gods here and they're, they're better. Elijah was the one who brought the people back on course and returned them to, to following God. And so here is Jesus with these two huge towering figures in Israel's history. And Jesus is transfigured, he's transformed. The Greek word is the root for um, metamorphosize. He is he's metamorphosized in front of them. He is completely changed. His clothes are dazzling white. And a cloud comes down, and the voice from the cloud booms, saying, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. He's grand and glorious. A very fitting epiphany theme. I imagine that if we were there on that mountain, it would have sounded something like the psalm that we just sang. Wasn't that powerful? There was a feeling of power. A feeling of power so strong that the disciples were terrified and they didn't know what to say. So Peter says, um, what do we do? We've never seen this before. I know, let's build three tents. That's what we should do. Hag, trying to figure out what to do. He has no playbook for this. This is the sort of intense glory, this epiphany, this revelation that happens at Transfiguration. But it also connects with the season that we're moving into, if we read a little bit of context. So we're moving quickly from this season of glory and revelation and epiphany into the season of Lent, which is a very sober season. It's the season where we get quiet. It's the season where we spend a lot of time in self-reflection. It's the season when we are particularly aware of our own mortality. And so at the end of this service, we're going to be burning palms. And the ashes from those palms we'll use on Wednesday to mark ourselves and be reminded that we came from dust and we returned to dust. Lent is this very quiet season. So how does transfiguration move us from this season of glory into the season of quiet reflection and preparation for the events of Holy Week when Jesus will suffer and die. 
Well, the voice from the cloud says, this is my beloved son, listen to him. It might be a sort of general, listen to what he says, he knows what he's talking about, but in the context, this voice is saying something very particular to the disciples. So as we've been going through the season of Epiphany, we've been hearing all these great stories about Jesus teaching and healing, casting out demons, doing all this great stuff, building a reputation. And the disciples, of course, are liking this. Hey, we picked the right guy to follow. We're getting a crowd. Jesus pulls them aside one day and he says to them, do you know what's going to happen? We're going to go up to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to suffer. And I'm going to die. And three days later, I'm going to rise again. And the disciples' response to this, do you remember Peter's response? Peter, one of his closest disciples, says, Jesus, forget about it. It's not what's going to happen. You're the Messiah. There's no such thing as a dead Messiah. If you're a dead Messiah, you're a false Messiah, and you can't be a false Messiah because we're following you. Come on. Get it together, Jesus. And Jesus says to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You're not thinking about this from the right perspective. So, six days later, Jesus takes Peter and James and John with him up on the mountain. And God says, This is my son. Listen to him. He's going to suffer. He's going to die. And he's going to rise again. And just so you're sure that he is going to rise again, check this out. And we have the transfiguration. Jesus in dazzling white clothes. This uh, foretaste of the promise of resurrection. This little seed of hope that they can look back on and hang on to because things are going to get tough. This is a great way to move us into the season of Lent when we're a little more attuned to our own mortality, our humanity, our weakness, the brokenness around us, when we're a bit more attuned to suffering. In fact, we even voluntarily take on suffering in Lent that connects us with Jesus' suffering. We fast during Lent. We give something up. We make a little bit of space in our life so that something new can come in. Something transfigured can come in. Something resurrected can come in. So during Lent we fast, we give up things. Say we give up uh, food. We, we do a literal, historic, traditional sort of fast. And we give up a meal or we give up eating for a day. We make some space in our lives. And instead of doing a good thing, we, we give it up to make way for a better thing. So we give up a little bit of food so we can have something better. We can give that food to someone who needs it more than I do, right? Um, or maybe during Lent, we give up some form of entertainment. Entertainment's a good thing, but we give it up so we can have something better, something transfigured, space for connection with God, connection with friends. Or maybe we give up screens during Lent. Now, maybe screens are a good thing, maybe they're not. I don't know. But we give up this thing to make space for something better, right? Space for presence. Space to be present to those around us and present to God among us. The move from Epiphany to Lent, and finally, ultimately, to Easter, is the move through 
death to resurrection. Through death to new life, to something that is transfigured. Sometimes something needs to die so the new thing can have space to grow. This is true in all sorts of parts of our life. A very simplistic example. This comes from Jeremy Taylor, who was Archbishop of Canterbury hundreds of years ago. Reflecting on all the little deaths in life that make way for new life to grow, he thought about children. When children are young, they have their baby teeth, but those baby teeth fall out to make space for something new, for adult teeth. He sees this as a little death. The falling out of the baby teeth is a little death so that something new can come in. For the disciples, up on that mountain, something had to die. Their idea of the Messiah had to die, so they had space to recognize the true Messiah who was right in front of them, who didn't line up with their expectations. Sometimes our image of God has to die, so that we can embrace God for who God really is. Sometimes our, our idea of what God is like gets in the way of our actual connecting with God as God is. So as we move towards the season of Lent, transfiguration is a great way to move us there, to give us the courage to embrace the little deaths so that the new life can come. Because we know through the promise of the transfiguration, which is the promise of resurrection, that new life is always waiting on the other side. So, as we move towards Lent, may we be emboldened by the transfiguration to make space to be transformed, to see God as God is, and to allow God to shape us, to bring new life into our lives where we need it. Amen.